Bonjour, y'all. My name is Allison Saclou, and I'm the host of Allie in France. This is the perfect podcast for anyone thinking of moving to France, traveling to France, a lover of French culture, or a Francophile in general, which is my case. I will be having weekly podcasts, but if you want to be in the know about everything French, I urge you, I insist that you head on over to my Instagram page where I post daily recipes, travel tips, and interesting insights about living in and traveling around the French countryside. My Instagram is Sacleu. that's A-L-Y-S-A-C-L-E-U-X, that's at Sacleu on Instagram. I've also included a link in the show notes, so you can just click on that. Hit that subscribe button so you'll get the notifications when I publish our episodes. And if you subscribe, I hope you enjoy it. Bonjour, y'all. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Transplanted to France. Sorry if you hear a little humming in the background. That's my wood pellet heater going because it's around 45 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. I still don't know Celsius yet here in France. Um, today we'll be joined on the podcast by Christina Rougerie. We'll introduce her in a moment, but I just wanted to let you guys know around moment 25 or around minute 25, um, Christina and I did have some technical difficulties with the um, recording system. So there might be um, a little bit of a glitch where I spliced um, our two conversations together. But other than that, we had such a great time. Christina has such a great vibe, and we really clicked. I'm so glad to find another uh, Southerner here in France. So without further delay, we'll get to the interview with Christina. Hey, Christina. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Um, it's so awesome to connect with you, hun. Um, so I was just going to tell our listeners that, um, we're going to be chatting with Christina Rougerie today. Uh, she's an interior architect that's been living in France for three years. So welcome to Transplanted to France. Well, thank you, Allie. Thank you for having me. It's excited to obviously be speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just joking earlier about how we never get to speak English this early in the morning because the rest of our family is in the States and they're probably all still asleep right now because it's like four o'clock in the morning there. I, I know, right? <laughs> um, so, Christina, uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you and your husband decided to move to France? Okay. <laughs> Let's just dive in. Right. Um, so I ironically, I met my husband in the U.S. Uh, he was living in France, um, but he just came for a two week wedding. I mean, a, a two week vacation. And I met him at the wedding. So it was very fast. It, it's that fairy tale. And I know that sounds um, I don't know, too, uh, too uppity up, but it was really a fairy tale. Um, and so <laughs> we literally fell in love in three days, engaged within two months and married within six months. So. <laughs> well, you know, um, we all love fairy tales at any age. So. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to be able to share that one. Um, 
because we're going to be celebrating 15 years this year. So I am very blessed. I have huge gratitude. Thank you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for that. Um, And yeah, it was completely unexpected uh, for like I'm marrying a French guy and the thought of moving to France. I mean, this was just not uh, an idea I had, um, although it was a childhood dream. um, I guess the universe heard me. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so fast forward, he moved to the U.S. for me uh, because I have two older daughters uh, from a previous engagement. And I um, thought, well, we can still move, but we just need to get the set my second daughter into uh, college first. So that became a seven-year plan uh, to move back to France because after three years in the U.S. and uh, we, were in, we lived in uh, Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. he was feeling homesick. Um. Now, <laughs> and that's kind of like when the seven year plan started, uh, because it was always just an idea, but we never put any action to it. Um, so the, we were supposed to move like in 2016 and we ended up uh, moving in 2017. So it eventually did happen, <laughs> but not as fast as we wanted. Well, that's awesome. So you've been here for three years already. I feel like um, you have such a plethora of knowledge that we're probably going to have to have you back on the show. <laughs> oh, I would love that. After this I would love that. Yes. I'm all about sharing the, uh, the wealth of knowledge. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Cause I feel like so there's so much different information on websites, um, and blogs. Sometimes it's just so nice to hear it, you know, from someone else that's, that's actually been through it and still living here. Um, right. Yeah, so you can get the up-to-date information. But so, okay, so you guys had the seven-year plan, and then you um, mentioned that uh, you guys originally moved here for a project that your husband had in in Bordeaux. Um, So that was the first place you got to land. That sounds gorgeous. (laughs) Ah, yes. Oh, my God. You can't land in a much better place than Bordeaux. And I'm going to say that because I absolutely (laughs) love architecture. Um, mm-hmm. France has a lot of that, uh, but Bordeaux just, it just took my heart away. I mean, uh, it's a gorgeous city to, to, to even visit. Um, but yes, I am super glad that I landed in Bordeaux because my husband actually, uh, just to get to France, <laughs> my husband took a contract, uh, position, which was the, it was just a year, one year contract. Um, but we were like, let's just get there at least let's do the one year mm-hmm. contract and then we can figure everything out from there. Because what we found anytime we were trying to find a job from the U S the French were just so skeptical about, even though my husband's French was so skeptical about, uh, like hiring him, uh, just over the phone basically, because he couldn't have flown out for an interview. And even though they did video, uh, interviews, it still wasn't enough. They were just very scared. So finally we had somebody that took the leap for us and believed in my husband. Um, and so he's an engineer. So it was like, okay, here we go. Let's just take it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, let's just get our feet wet and get I over mean, there. And seriously. We'll... <laughs> right? No, I mean, <laughs> and I'm really glad I did Lane in Bordeaux because it was a very tough first year for me uh, because first of all, I'm from Texas. We have AC. Um, <laughs> dear God, we have AC everywhere, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> and that that was 
a fine print for you that I did not read. Uh, although I knew that I know that uh, um, France doesn't have AC. It was just kind of like, I don't know. I just didn't register the heat in Bordeaux, no AC, the mosquitoes. I was just like, I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> I need my AC. Um, so I got the American beaten out of me that first year. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Your indoctrination into the French way of life. No oh, air yeah. conditioner. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, France, my amusement park. And, oh, the wine and the cheese and the, you know, the bread. Great. Wait. No, well, hold on. No AC? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. I'm from Florida. So not having air conditioner is unheard of. But for where, um, because I think probably where we live in Lozère is a bit cooler than Bordeaux. Um, they have four foot, like three to four foot thick walls on the houses here and most of the houses. So that actually insulates you a lot from yes. the from the heat of the summer. So we got really lucky with that. Yeah. So my summer wasn't this bad, that bad, because we got here in um, in, June, in June of this year. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. But but aside from the the um, AC situation, how was trauma time just <laughs> right <laughs> memory lane. Well, th- to move through trauma, we have to talk about it. So, <laughs> um, how did how did your kids like um, adapt? Were they were they speaking French when um, your your little ones were they speaking French when you guys got to Bordeaux? Like, how was the school there? Well, I really wish they I, I could say that they did know French, and it's um, <laughs> it's just the way the just the way it went. Uh, that that's our cards. Our um, obviously everybody knows if they're listening in America and American, we just live such a fast paced. just revert back to English. So they actually came with just hearing it, you know, not ever speaking it. Um, so my son, uh, was five and my daughter was eight when we got here. And, uh, wow. So they learned French like in four months. Now it was challenging, uh, but I'm just very thankful that they had in the school system, the, the public school that they were put in um, had a, uh, a class, I guess you can say. It's a transition for international students. So they were in there with like an Italian, um, an Australian, um, uh, some people from uh, Nigeria as well. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they just had a wealth of, um, of, of international uh, classmates, I guess you can say, um, to be able to transition into knowing French with everybody else. So they didn't feel alone with that. And I just appreciated that they had that, um, kind of like what we had in, um, in Houston, you know, the ESL program for, Mm -hmm. you know, people coming from Mexico into our school system. Um, by the way, I'm Mexican, (laughs) but, uh, I grew up in the U S so it's just that great, um, in, I guess you can say the, uh, great transition into a different foreign country and you don't know the language. So for the kids, they picked it up very fast. And I'm happy for that. Oh, that's so lucky. I wish they had one of those for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, because this is a bigger city. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. I just, I just, I, I guess I took it for granted because I just thought it was, oh, this is France. This is what they do. So, okay, they didn't do that for you guys. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, because my kids are, 
think there's one other kid, one other international student, I believe um, maybe from Australia um, at my kid's school. But yeah, thankfully the teachers speak English and Spanish and my kids speak English and Spanish. Um, so they can communicate in like three different languages, which, um, (laughs) (laughs) which might, which might delay their French, but, um, my daughter who's 10, she's already correcting my French and, and the little guy, he just loves saying Seva all the time. (laughs) Whenever you ask him anything. I love it. His, his go-to is Sava. I love it. That is adorable. <laughs> I know. They're so funny at this age. But um, yeah, the 10-year-old, she'll probably be fluent within another three to four months. Oh, yeah. And the little guy, he, he might take a year because he doesn't really, he doesn't really care. He doesn't, he, you know, there's sometimes kids are like super motivated yeah. to just jump into the new culture. And other times they're like... Right, it'll happen when it needs to exactly but you know they really absorb uh information so the language as long as they're immersed in it um and that's kind of how i feel like my kids learned because they had some classes in french and then the rest was in this transition class um and i think that's why they because they were all, all day long every day uh, listening and hearing French, 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 because they got English when we got home, because I mm-hmm. wasn't speaking French at that time. So it was English at home, French at school. And I think if they at least have that, that support system when wherever they're going, even if it's creche, um, which is daycare, they have that, you know, just listening, listening, listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it was something I learned when I lived in Ecuador for a while. i I told some friends, I was like, I was basically mute for like a year or two. Like I couldn't really participate in group conversations. I could do one-on-one, but it's just like, I basically had to fill my cup and fill my head, my knowledge up for two or three years before it could start coming out of me, before I could start expressing myself in Spanish. And yeah, like you said, like as long as they're just around it all day, their cup, their knowledge is just getting filled up all day long. Uh, And it doesn't take that long until it comes spilling back out and in the form of, you know, sentences and conjugation. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Those are fine-tuning uh, sessions, but <laughs> at least they just, you know, right. oh, I've heard this word a thousand times, you know, bonjour, bonjour, exactly. bonjour. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that's that's about as far as I get so far is bonjour. Um, <laughs> but but um, now I, when I was, before I moved to France, I was kind of wondering and I was nervous about the, the visa process, or I think they call it the carte séjour here. Um, because you, I feel like you can get so many misinform, so much different information on websites. Um, what was your experience like when you were continuing your, your visa process in Bordeaux? How did that play out for you? So I, uh, I left the U S with a joining family visa, uh, and mm-hmm. then, so you don't leave the U S with a car sejour. you leave the U S with this visa. And then okay. when you get mm-hmm. into France, you have like, they, they give you that visa is good for one year. So within this one year, 
that's when you're working towards um, creating your file to apply for your carte séjour, which is kind of like your green card. Let's just call it a green card. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, because <laughs> that's really what it is. Um, right. We can all identify with that. Yeah, right. Um, and so basically I landed and of course within the first three months, you have to set up an appointment, um, with you, with your prefecture to, uh, start the process. And so basically I was given like, all right, your this is like your list of all of your things you need to do. And it's basically a contract that you're making with the uh, country of France that you're going to abide by all of these, uh, rules and that you're going to, um, do everything that's on this list to integrate into their country. And some of the things are you do a civil class, you do a, oh God, I forgot what the other class was. It's two classes. Um, and then you are, um, I laugh about this because I call it sentencing. You get sentenced to <laughs> taking French uh, because you go in in one of your sessions and they test you of like where your level is. So they, you kind of, you talk to the person, but you're also writing and you can come in not knowing a lick of French. So this is not, there's no, mm -hmm. there's no losing or, or failing here. Um, yeah. They're not going to send you no, back on the next day. Absolutely France. not. <laughs> they are wanting you to integrate and, and the system is, is good enough in that, in that sense. Like they're, they, they sentence you to what they believe your level is. Well, mm -hmm. I did take some French courses in the U S so I, I, my academic is higher than my speaking was at that time. So I guess because I passed the academic, I got 50 hours of French. I was sentenced for 50 hours to French and the 50 hours, by the way, whatever they sentenced you to that, that has to do that's connected to your visa. This is free. This is completely free given to you by the government. Um, now, when you do go to these classes, you are in a melting pot from a lot of other uh, expats from around the world that have different level of educations. So that's the only thing is like, okay, you're, you know, this is what I was saying. For me, at least I've just absorbed because I was going to class every day. Um, some of those mm -hmm. people got 200 hours. And I was like, well, I wanted 200 hours. <laughs> Right. I mean, How did you manage that? I know. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how they gauge that. Um, and, uh, but and why I just got 50, uh, cause I would have really think I would have benefited if I would at least gotten 200, even a hundred, um, hours, but say la vie, <laughs> but at least, um, through the integration into Bordeaux, I was my civil class. Um, there was an informational class. So there was two of them, right? So you had your civil, but there was a second one. I forgot the name of it. I don't want to, is it the integrate integration? Okay. Class? Maybe it was in, yeah, maybe that's what it was called. Integration class. Uh -huh. uh, that one, Ooh, I got so much information and I was just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing because I found out that, um, Two things. One, if you, uh, when you're applying for your car, your, your green card, you, if you have a degree from your uh, country, you just get that translated. You send that in with your paperwork. I like tried to stress to the, to the agent that I was working with. Okay. I have my, I have my degree in here. I have my degree in here. I have my degree in here because I was told I get, I can bypass the two year visa car, and get my 10-year carte séjour. They won't say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't say anything. They don't confirm anything to you. I heard it once in this class. I did it. 
and I did get my 10 year visa. <laughs> Yay! But yes, I mean, that's way less paperwork, it's way <laughs> less paperwork that you have to go through this uh, to, but because the rules are, or the, the way the, the process is, is that, okay, so you're within this one year, you're working towards your cart seizure, then you have your cart seizure and then you got to be here another two years. And th- then that cart seizure is good for two years. And then after the two years, you can apply for your 10 year. Okay. So I just bypassed the two year part, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome because the dossier or the the stack of paperwork that you have to turn in that's pretty redundant. Um, it's it's difficult to know. I mean, it's difficult to you know have everything organized and go through all those copies and check all the lists. And you don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, in two years, you want to do it in ten. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you know, when you're in a bigger city, the process is a lot longer than if you were in a smaller city. Uh, and the lines, <laughs> the lines are longer. Oh, so really? just FYI, if you come to your scheduled appointment and there's a piece of paper missing, which you, it's always the case, even if it's not on the <gasps> list of items you got to bring, there's always some, no. I brought everything in my grandmother with me to the appointment <laughs> because what they'll tell you is, okay, well, you'll just have to come back and drop this off. Well, they don't explain to you that when you're coming back and dropping this stuff off, you've got to stand in the line and it's first come first serve. So even though you had your appointment and you were able just to walk in and go to your appointment, this, if you forget something, you got to come back, you got to stand in the long line with everybody else, whether it's raining, freezing, doesn't matter. (laughs) So don't forget anything, (laughs) just bring it all and have copies and your Right. Yeah. And uh, copies of uh, everybody's birth certificates and passports. Yes. And, yeah. Translated. I mean, front, back, just do. Uh, oh, God, I can't stress. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. And stamped by a notary here and there. I mean, no joke. No joke. Oh, and the second <laughs> thing that I learned in that class is that, okay, so everybody's going to probably find this out, but they haven't known yet. So Polonpola is the, and I'm probably pronouncing this so wrong, it's the unemployment uh, of France, okay? So um, you will get registered, even if you've never worked in France, uh, you just want to get registered with Polonpola to see if they have, uh, because they, you can do some trainings uh, that are uh, provided um, by the unemployment office. And, and these are all free. What I did find out is that you can actually go down to Polonpola, sign up and say, I want to take a course, a, a French course, and you actually get paid for taking these French courses by the government. Now, this is a bit like a, obviously a big, huge secret because every time I've gone to my two uh, different cities that I've lived in now and went to Polimpola and asked for this, everybody's like, what? No, that's not possible. So somebody, they had to go and ask to the back room. I don't know where this back room what? is. I'm back. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, we do have that. So it's very hush-hush. They don't advertise this. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the ones I've done, it's the professional uh, integration French. So it's... I'm here. I have a prof- I'm, I'm, I'm a professional, and I want to uh, work on my French. So they will put you in this class that you'll learn French, and then you get to intern like for a week. At hopefully, it could be aligned with your um, your industry. But if not, at least you're just doing one week in like 
a library or something, just so you can practice and practice your French. That's the whole point about it. And then they give you a test at the end. Um, and then with that test, it gives you your level and, you know, the French and their paperwork and being certified, at least it certifies your level at the end. Yeah, it's really important to, um, to be able to, to level up. And also, I mean, that's awesome because they're still encouraging people. It's like, you know, I understand that you don't have a job because your level of French isn't the best. Hey, you know, come take this course and we're going to get you to where you need to be. That's why I love you know, the integration class that you went to that I, I haven't done yet, but I'm looking forward to because it's all just to bring you in. I mean, in the outset, it looks like a bunch of paperwork and bureaucracy, mm -hmm. but the real reason for all of that is because they want you to become part of the community and they encourage you to do that by like this, um, you know, paying you to learn French and to do, you know, like you said, the little internships. I think, I mean, I love that idea and I look forward to being able to do my, my French classes. No, um, that's good. <laughs> when, when my time is, when my time comes. If I were you just kind of like bomb everything so you can get like a hundred hours or. <laughs> I know that's, that's what I was kind of thinking. <laughs> I was. No, but yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking that I was like, okay, I need to, I need, I need at least a hundred yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I want to stay. <laughs> Right. Don't let it be over yet. <laughs> um, but we were talking a little bit, you know, about the, the employment office um, here. And um, I know that you come from um, as a successful interior designer uh, here in France, they call it an, an interior architect um, and a board member of the American Society of Interior Design in, in Houston. Um, what is your transition into the the French or, or European market been like um, in in your career? So um, after me just trying to wrap my head around to this, and then the thing is that we moved three times since 2017. <laughs> oh, the, the Tour de France. So we went, like when I was talking, we did, we were in Bordeaux uh, for a year, Lyon uh, for a year. And then we settled here in Mulhouse which is an Alsace. So I finally was able to set up my business um, uh, as an interior designer. Plus I have a, a shop too, that I have an online shop as well. And so I finally registered and then I started to market myself here uh, last November. And uh, I, I did make a contact with a builder, a local builder here. So I had a couple of projects, but then COVID hit. <laughs> No. Yeah. So after that, uh, just working my way back, I had actually uh, a friend contact me about helping with her design projects um, in Luxembourg. So I've been helping her and then I may. So I've been doing a lot of networking lately. Uh, so then I networked with another uh, American designer in the south of France. So um, I'm connecting with her and then just recently. So we can just pick right up uh back up where we left off so i think you were saying that um that you had recently connected with someone in the south of france and an, another american um designer in the south of france uh -huh. um and you had been networking some to to you know get back at interior design yes 
Yes. Um, so, and then I had a, uh, a previous client that I had, oh gosh, probably five or six years ago, contact me. Mm -hmm. She found me <laughs> and she's like, well, I would like to have my, um, my backyard down now. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Well, um, and she already knows that I'm not in Houston anymore, that I'm in uh, France. So I was like, well, you know, kind of what my industry has been doing is we've moved as much as we can uh, to online and mm -hmm. our Zoom calls. We do Zoom calls. We do presentations over Zoom now. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I can still do this. I can still absolutely do your backyard. Uh, before, before COVID, I don't know if the, it just wasn't the norm, but now it's such the norm. It's just kind of like, okay, sure. Uh, let's schedule a Zoom call and let's get down to um, what the project, the scope of the project is. And she was perfectly fine with it. And so I'm if there's any uh, thing, you know, trying to make something good out of something bad, this is uh, helping for me to still stay connected to my uh, U.S. clients. So I'm I'm happy for that. That's awesome. So there, I mean, there is good that comes out of um, quote unquote like our new normal. It's just yeah. that you know everybody's way more comfortable just taking things online because and Zoom has become a daily um, well has become a daily habit for a lot of Americans because like their kids are always on zoom and things like that. So, I mean, you can always find good in the bad, but sometimes it, it takes a little while. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm quite pleased to see uh, that in my industry, it's very hands-on, very creative uh, field. And so you, I do miss kind of like being like in an office and I'm where I'm with a bunch of people and then we start to collaborate together. But I'm finding out uh, it was difficult in the beginning, but now it's starting to become uh, a lot, it flows a lot easier now. So on Zoom, when I'm with a couple of other designers, I'm, um, you know, starting to get into that creative space. So I do feel good about that. And then I love that we can share our screen. So it's like, okay, this is the kind of the design I've come up with. What do you guys think? And so I, it's, it's, it was just kind of like when it's new, you got to have to just kind of get back into like, like trying on the new shoe, the new leather shoe, it hurts in the beginning. And then after <laughs> time, it starts to feel good. I, I, I feel like I'm there now. My leather shoe is stretched out some. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good fit now. We can, yeah. we can walk for miles in this one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I know that you were mentioning before that you've, you know, lived in different places in France, um, and, and moved all about what's, what's been your favorite place to visit, um, here so far? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you know, I've really traveled so much throughout France, the West coast, the East coast, the, uh, not so much the South. Actually, I've done the, uh, just the Nice, Saint-Tropez, mm -hmm. uh, Montpellier, uh, Marseille. Well, shoot, I guess I have done that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can say you've done the yeah, South now. <laughs> okay. um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, and then because we live on the East Coast, we travel. My in-laws live in La Rochelle, which is complete opposite. It's on the West Coast, so you can be more opposite. We travel and even check out these small cities. Gosh, oh, man, what is my favorite place to visit um well we do have a, a family beach house in la tranche 
Mm-hmm. I guess that would be have to be my favorite because that's my husband's family home for like three generations. We go for uh, it, it's now split between the different family members. So we go for like three weeks. So it's a good to be like home. And then we are like, have the view of the sea right in front of us. The house is off of the sea, uh, backed off obviously behind, uh, not off the sea. Cause you can't have that here and that in La Tranche, but we have the view of the sea. So I guess that would be my favorite place because uh, the kids now two summers now have made friends. So they go back to those same friends and those, friends that they've made is actually uh, the children of the parents that my husband grew up with. So, <gasps> oh my God. It's, and then his mom grew up, my husband's mom, my mother-in-law grew up with their uh-huh. parents. So it's three generations of just kind of like you go back to creating and, and, and uh, extending the generation after generation of the, the kids and the kids and the kids playing with each other. So I guess that would be my favorite place because it's it's heartfelt. It's personal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it feels like home, even though, you know, it's not your Houston home, but because like you said, generation, 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 I mean, and they're all sharing in this same place and the same summers and things like that. It's like you're establishing such a beautiful foundation for your kids because one day they're going to be going there with theirs. Yeah. Oh gosh, I love that. Yeah. So I, I'm very uh, fortunate to have that. Um, and happy that my great great grandfather in law <laughs> was in a developer. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but I, I would have to say that because, I mean, really every part of France has something different to offer. And I don't, I know, I didn't know this when I first arrived, but it was like, oh, uh, crepes, that comes from uh, Brittany. Okay. And well, uh, Franche Comte cheese comes from Franche Comte, you know, cognac goes, comes from cognac and Bordeaux red wine is the best wine, <laughs> you know? So, um, it's just like every part has, has, they, it's their specialty. So it, for me, it's like you're traveling around France to those different specialties. And then, you know, uh, of course the wine is great all over France. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess, um, it's it's difficult to say one place, but yeah, but yeah, if I had to say one place, it would be La, uh, La Tranche. <laughs> I completely agree with you because I mean it's something you don't really realize until until you move here that every region has its specialty and they're famous for making that one thing, and they've been doing it for generations, so they're experts at it and they're very proud of it. Oh yeah, and it's. And it's something that they've learned from their grandparents. Like um, here, for example, in in the Highlands, they have um, this. Uh, it's a mixture of mashed potatoes and tom, T O M M E, which is um, which is basically a raw milk farm cheese. Mm-hmm. And and they've been making this mixture of mashed potatoes and cheese called aligo um, for. For generations and generations and and you can only find it here in Lozere and the best place to try it is here in Lozere you know and people right. come here just for that food um yeah so and that experience so and the, and the experience yeah definitely because um the place there's a place in the highlands where um a gentleman and his and his wife um they make it in a bureau which is just um a place where they used to milk cows 
but now they've, you know, they've changed it into their kitchen um, for all of, you know, all of us tourists or all of their travelers to come and try like an authentic alley go ah. place where they used to milk the cows. And there's, I think there's only two like it in France. So they stay really busy <laughs> in the summers. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing. It's just, I love the pride and the the authenticity of um, just the different regions in France. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a hard, that was kind of a loaded question, right? Asking me yeah. a favorite. <laughs> no, no, but you know what? Somebody, the next person may spit out Toulouse, you know, like for sure. Right. That's the place, you know? So I think, uh, I think everybody has a different perspective and uh, I'd be interested to see what other people, what other people's uh, favorite places are, you know, because there's always a story behind it. (laughs) Yes. Because I mean, and I feel that especially as expats, we want to feel rooted. We want to feel grounded in a place. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful that you guys, your family has that place because I mean, it's just generation after generation and even though you're moving to a different country it's like I already have roots here so that's where you feel the best so yeah yeah that's awesome there's always a story behind it like you said yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so Han, um, you mentioned that you have a shop and you and I met on Instagram um so is there um, a place where our our listeners can find you and connect with you? And and also whatever you mentioned, I'm going to leave in the show notes um, so that they can just click on it and, and find you there. But so um, where can and if somebody needs design services, where, where can they find you, Christina? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, since everybody and their grandma is on Instagram, I'll, I'll give you my Instagram. Uh, it's at Christina.Rougerie. Um, and there I have a link tree that kind of uh, br- shows you, goes, takes you to my website uh, for my design services, or it also takes you to my shop, uh, Seek, um, because that's, that's a different uh, Instagram account. But it's you can find everything on Christina Rougerie. And my Instagram is really in my world, my personal world of being an expat in France, um, being in a designer and discovering the European world of design, because in the U S I didn't ha- I didn't really have that much knowledge of the European, uh, manufacturers. And now I'm just diving in and I'm finding that. So that's kind of like what I'm sharing out to the world. And I think it's very important when, if you're going to have somebody work on your house that you kind of know who they are personally. So I do let everybody behind the scenes, see who I am. <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's so important nowadays, especially when you're connecting with people, you know, over the internet, you kind of want an insight into their life and, you know, to get to know them a little bit before you, you know, start making business connections and things like that. So yeah, I feel it's definitely important to have that extra, extra information there. (laughs) True. (laughs) Oh, well, hun, thank you so much for, for hopping on, you know, the podcast with us today. And I really appreciate it. And, and like I said, you've been here for three years. So I definitely think we could probably do, do a follow up with a little bit more of, you know, your experiences here in France, because um, I feel like, uh, a lot of people nowadays, you know, they're they're just looking for information straight from the people that that live there, you know, like a 
like a, a website from, you know, a company that does moves is, isn't going to give you the same insight as talking to a person that, that lives in France or, you know, lives where you want to live. So thank you so much uh, for, for that today. Honey. No. And thank you for having me. I'm so, I was so excited to get your invitation and yeah, absolutely. We can totally, uh, I would love to come back and share anything and everything I know. So we can, <laughs> so any of you in the future, if you have questions, don't hesitate to contact me. For sure, Chica, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, have a great one, hun. Thank you so All much. All right, you too. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. Bye. Take care, hun. Bye.